Welcome to Lost Levels Club. Welcome to Lost Levels Club. I have with me tonight Sir Michael. Hello. And myself, Timothy. Hello. We're a book lover games. And today we are Fanfare Blowers. <laughs> <laughs> so, Pokémon Sword and Shield. Will there be spoilers? There will be very mild spoilers because we're only talking up to not quite halfway through the game. So, spoiler for the podcast, Ting didn't finish Pokemon. So it's going to be a two-parter. But that does mean fewer spoilers for Pokemon. So there's more time for Mike to talk about things. <laughs> the silver lining is there's more time for me to is that a silver lining or is that a terrible curse <laughs> it's not it's a silver lining you won't you won't be um frustrated by the fact you miss something i'm sure i'll miss something i always do So, Pokemon Sword and Shield, Gen 8 entry in the franchise. So, this was released November 15th, 2019. And in the first six weeks, it sold over 16 million copies. I say it as if it's a single game. I mean, between Sword and Shield, it sold 16 million copies. We don't actually know the breakdown between the two games. But... Well, Sword Dog is clearly superior to Shield Dog. And there was a story that indicated Pokemon Sword was selling better than Pokemon Shield. But I don't think Nintendo have released any official numbers. No, they've not. Though interestingly, anecdotally, you were saying Shield was actually cheaper when you bought it. And you're saying that it was cheaper because it wasn't selling as much? Yeah, they need to shift that extra shield stock. You know when they say that there's some psychology going on when you buy something, you sort of, you align yourself to it. And now that I have Pokemon Shield, I think Shield Dog is better than Sword Dog, just to throw it out there. Yeah, they do say that, don't they? That once you've bought something you become emotionally attached to it. So yes. I, I, I can see that you may have been infected by Sword Dog's reality distortion field and you have this delusion that Sword Dog is the better dog. But <laughs> the dog shield, is a wolf. The shield is Tonk. It's a beast. You've just, got a sh- you've just got a sword in your mouth. If I rock up to a fight with my shield collar, 
I am, you know, can't take a beating. Ah, yes, it's a collar, isn't it? That was that was the conclusion you eventually came to. So, yeah, it's definitely not a shield that he's holding in his mouth, like a crossbar with a little slit in it. It's actually like a collar. So you are right in a way, I guess, that keeps his mouth free to do other stuff. Yeah. He should be holding a sword and then he would be, you know, cool. <laughs> not just like tanking hits with his face. <laughs> Anyway, regardless, neither of us has actually caught Zashian or Zamazenta. I do know their names now. So neither of us really knows that much about them still. Though I actually have finished the game. So I have fought in a battle with them and they are both very cool. But Sword Dog is cooler. Shall we talk about our experiences with Pokemon? Go ahead. So I've only played Pokemon Sun. I like that you swore absolutely blind for like a month that you played Pokemon Moon until I eventually sent you a photo of Pokemon Moon on my shelf and said, I'm pretty sure I have Moon. And you're like, oh, no, no, Sun. I had Sun. I was like, yeah, that's what I've been trying to say for ages. Sorry, this is a pointless aside. Carry on. That's, that's all I have. That's all I've played. How, how much did you play? I played around 20 hours. Well, you played 20 hours of Sun? Yeah. That, that's a sizable chunk of the game. Yeah, I think I played a sizable chunk of the game, but because it's so grindy, I don't think I've... A, it never felt like a god anywhere. Wait, I, I'm really surprised because I thought we played a similar amount of Pokemon sun and moon because i played moon but yeah i feel like i got nowhere in it so did you do some of the what were they called like the island challenges i think so yeah. okay i didn't even get to the first one okay well i have played pokemon red and i played that when i was a teenager so at the time it was released and I finished it. So that was the only Pokemon game I had actually played to completion. I played very small amounts of gold and ruby and diamond, I think. But to be honest, they were on dodgy pirated Malaysian cartridges. So, shh. I think I think that's another thing, you know, you mentioned, you know, when you buy something, you have this emotional attachment. When you get like a dodgy Malaysian cartridge for 50p, you have no particular attachment to it and you don't feel like you have to finish it because, you know, you didn't really pay proper money for it. You have to get 50p's <laughs> worth of value from it. That's it. Yeah. And 50p's worth of value is not very much. I mean, I did actually play... A few hours of... Well, actually, I didn't play that much Pokemon Moon either. Pokemon Moon, I just didn't find fun. Surprisingly. Or it was fun, but it also just felt like a chore. Because it was my first entry, there was a lot more novelty. And the Grindfest only reared its ugly head much later. Yeah, I, I remember I describing it as a not fun Grindfest. I just felt like I had to... I was trying really hard to catch everything before moving on for some reason. So I was just like 
constantly running back and forth in the grass just to see you, you know it's like how many times do you have to see something to prove a negative like how many times did i have to see pokemon that i'd seen before to be confident that i hadn't missed a rare pokemon and so like that was kind of self-inflicted stupidity but i think that made it not fun and then i also felt like i had to play with the pokemon all the time because there was some like mini game with a touchscreen where you could like pet the Pokemon and then it made them like you more and it made them more effective in battle or something or something. I don't even know. But yeah, I just felt obligated to be constantly playing with all these Pokemon. It's like, this is such a drag. I just want to like get further in the story, but I feel like I have to run back and forth to collect stupid, you know, different kinds of pigeon or something and then play with this cat for half an hour. We have the same failing as humans but then i think the crazy thing where i realized now that i was both insane and an idiot was i think the thing that made me stop playing was i felt like i wouldn't be able to finish the pokedex because (laughs) we originally were trading our starters back and forth so you know we were trying to trade each other the version exclusive pokemon and also we traded our starters so i had lit and you had rowlet and we traded them and they traded them back. But then you evolved yours before we had a chance to trade them or something. I was like, oh, I'm going to have a gap in my Pokedex. I can't be, I don't want to play this anymore. And then I realized I was an idiot because, because the only Pokemon game I'd actually really played any serious amount of was Red. And in that, literally the only way to get the starter was to start a new game. But in these more recent entries, you can just, you can just use a ditto, I think, to breed with any Pokemon and just get a copy of it. So you could totally have just given me a Rowlet at some later point in the game. But yeah, I was an idiot. Sorry. Thank you. That's the only time you're getting an apology from me. <laughs> uh, I don't. It's not. I know it's not. <laughs> but it'd be funnier if it was. Well, I know that apology is always a year or two in the making. That's how it works. I, I think it's so funny that I literally didn't realise this until playing Pokemon Sword. And then there was a moment while playing Sword that I actually like face palmed. And I was like, oh, I've been an idiot. So I just wanted to get that on the record. Thank you. So how does this compare? How does... Pokemon Sword and Shield compared to previous releases? I think this one is really fun. It has been streamlined and simplified in a way that makes it a fun collectathon and not a not fun grind fest. I think maybe I think maybe this is a casual Pokemon game for casual people and I've just become a filthy casual and that's why I enjoy it now. And and maybe the Pokemon games were becoming more and more hardcore and in this one they've just gone and said, uh, let's throw it all out the window and make it easy mode. But that's actually what I want these days. I don't know. I, I don't feel like it's a not fun grind fest. I think also I learned to just say, screw it, let's move on and not try and catch everything. Not to mention the fact it literally tells you now if there's something you haven't caught. Like, 
the Pokedex will say, oh, we recommend you catch this. And it'll tell you where to catch it. So you, you'll know if there's a rare Pokemon. But for some reason, that made it easier for me to be like, well, I can't be bothered to catch that. Bye. <laughs> so you stuck your middle finger up to the Pokedex suggestions. Yeah, there were several times when it was like, we think you should catch this. And I was like, I don't want one of those. They suck. <laughs> what happened? <laughs> For someone who diligently wanted to complete the Pokedex, now the Pokedex is helping you, but now you're saying no. I'm walking the other way. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I think, I think Pokemon Moon just broke me and made me realise, you know what? I've never finished the Pokedex. Why did I care about it this time? And so I decided just to play the game how I wanted to. And I think it has been said that, you know, Sword and Shield are really good Pokemon games for casual players. And if you're a hardcore Pokemon fan, it will be quite disappointing. But given that I am such a casual at Pokemon, this is actually exactly what I wanted. Because... You know, in the old games, there was a lot of like, well, you you really had to grind a lot to get everything or you had to make the right choices because there were things you only got one shot at. And there's nothing like that in this game, as far as I can tell. Or at least there are very few things like that in this game. Far fewer than before. Yeah, you're not committed to your decisions. Yeah, there was a lot of stuff in the old games where it was like, well, this is ruined now. I need to catch another one and try again. Or this whole save file is ruined now because I made some dumb decision and I just have to live with it. Or just do several dozen hours of stuff over again. And like now, yeah, now everything you do is not permanent. Or getting another one and trying again is relatively straightforward. I don't know. I think I think if you do want to breed like the perfect pokemon it's still a huge amount of work but you definitely do not need to unless you're aiming to be you know like global pokemon champion and that's a young person's game i'm not doing that okay okay so one for you let's talk about the story i think the story is insane I, I don't know. Is it is the story some kind of sword in the stone parallel? Because Britain, you can't just say the location makes it a sword in the stone parallel. Well, no, because you've got the the sword dog and the shield dog. I mean, I guess that's not the sword in the stone, but <laughs> for me, certainly, I had to go on this epic quest and retrieve the sword to stop the darkest day and become the champion. So that that's where I'm getting that from, but. Yeah, I think, you know, without getting into specifics of the story, especially since you haven't finished it, the, you know, the overall arc of any Pokemon story is deadbeat mom lets her 10-year-old kid go out and play in the wilderness, collecting animals to fight in blood sport until they collapse. <laughs> and you always have a rival, and the two of you are always vying to be the greatest Pokemon trainer of all time, slash in your region. But this time the rival is a rival in the loosest sense. I, I think this is something that must have changed because it, it's really hard to tell for me 
what is new in Sword and Shield or what is just new somewhere between Gen 1 and Gen 8. Because I really did not play enough of any of the intervening Pokemon games to really pick up on yeah a lot of the innovations that happened like a lot of the time i see a pokemon i'm like is this a new pokemon or is this just a pokemon that i hadn't seen before because i didn't play you know the previous five six games but yeah you know in the old days in gen one certainly your rival was your rival and the two of you both really wanted to be champion and you know your rival was literally being a massive jerk to you because you were both you know there can only be one and you'd rather be like oh smell you later loser you know i'm ahead of you i'm like three gyms ahead of you or something but in sun and moon your rival was just really nice and like kind of laid back and didn't seem to care particularly and in this one your official rival is the champion's younger brother hop and while he really wants to be champion, he just doesn't seem to be very good. Like, he's just not very competent. But he, he does mention he will become the champion. Yeah, he, he, he says, I'm going to become the champion and you're my rival. But then, you know, oh, maybe you haven't, oh, maybe you haven't seen that yet. Okay, well, stuff happens cryptically. But but he is very nice. He's always he's always very supportive of you, even when he's not very good. <laughs> and I, I, again, another interesting thing: it used to be that you got to pick first which Pokemon you wanted. So the starters are always. I actually I think this would be a really interesting innovation if they changed this. But to my knowledge, the starters have always been fire, water, and grass, like a rock paper scissors trio. And in the early games, at least, whichever one you picked, your rival would pick the one that was strong against you. So if you picked the fire starter, your rival would pick the water starter. But in this one, your rival picks the one that is weak to you. So, you know, I picked Scorbunny and then my rival picked Grookey. So I was just one shotting my rival's Pokemon every time we had a fight. There's also two or three other characters that could, well, kind of be your, called your rival as well. So there's also Marnie, Bede, and then the current champion, Leon. So they all show up in the story a lot too, and they also battle you. With Marnie and Bede obviously also wanting to be champion for their own reasons, and Leon is already the champion, so you're the one who has to beat him. Anyway, I guess that's enough for now. We can talk about it more if you finish the game. Okay. We should talk about all of it regardless. Okay.
So let's talk more about the innovations. Yeah, I think this is the first mainline Pokemon game where the Pokemon have been free roaming about in the overworld rather than just random encounters in the tall grass. This makes such a big difference. Yeah, so it's kind of a fusion of the old school Pokemon games and Pokemon Let's Go. Because I think in Pokemon Let's Go, they're all free roaming. You can always see them. But it is nice because, you know, you can see the Pokemon and avoid them if they're ones you don't want to catch. Or you can rummage around in the tall grass if you want to try and catch a random Pokemon. I don't actually know if there are some Pokemon that are only in the tall grass. Or whether the Pokemon that are free roaming are always just picked from the pool of potential Pokemon. I don't know that either. Yeah, it wouldn't surprise me if there were some that were only available in the grass. You know, rare ones in particular. It's just so much more respectful of your time this way. Yes, although, well, are you trying to catch everything? I'm catching everything the the Pokedex suggests. And if I see something new, obviously, I, I go for it. Yeah, I, I mean, I think the Pokedex will only suggest stuff that you have seen. So if you have fought it in a trainer battle, then it can suggest it to you. But if you have literally never seen it, then I think it won't suggest it to you. So it is possible, I guess, to miss Pokemon unless you do go, you know, really looking for them. But I don't know. I think it's a nice balance. Yep. Next is a big one for you. XP share? Yeah. I feel like this has actually changed the game a lot. Because in the old games, I mean, you're going to tell me it wasn't like this and it's just my memory being wrong, but you used to only get XP for Pokemon that actually participated in the battle. And to my memory... In Pokemon Red, certainly, that was the only way to get XP. They had to participate in the battle. I think you sent me some link about an XP share item or XP all or something. Yes. That meant even in Gen 1, you could share the XP. I I didn't know this existed. I have no recollection of this at all. Because there used to be a load of strategy about it. You know, it, it used to be that there were certain Pokemon that you could catch that had no offensive capability so if you caught like the second evolution of the bug pokemon you know when it was just a cocoon then it had no attacks or if you caught a magikarp all it could do was like flop around and so it used to be like a real easter egg you know you'd catch this magikarp and think oh this is completely useless but at level 25 or something magikarp evolves into gyarados which is this like amazing you know dragon serpent thing and so you know it used to be again like a playground thing of like oh did you catch gyarados and it's like no where's gyarados like oh you have to use magikarp it's like oh how do i do that it's like oh well you have to put it at the front of your party and then switch out so it gets xp and you know blah 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 all the way up until level 25 and you don't have to do that now you just put it in your party and it'll get xp but you still need to know to do that yeah again it's much more respectful of your time. I mean, I suppose 
with the internet now, everyone's going to know about stuff like Magikarp and Gyarados. And it is just much easier to level up low-level Pokemon. It also meant that my party was much more fluid. Since I think in the old games, I just had a few Pokemon who were massively stronger than the others. And I just only used those Pokemon, basically. Because, you know, in order to switch out my party, it only happened when I caught a high-level Pokemon and decided to sub them in. Whereas this time, I could just put in any Pokemon and they would kind of relatively quickly catch up to, you know, the level because of the EXP curve. And so, yeah, it, it meant it was relatively easy for me to bring in new Pokemon and get them up to speed and then start using them for reals rather than having like the terrible chore of putting it at the head of the party and swapping them back and forth. Though I did still have just a handful of Pokemon that I leaned on very heavily. You mentioned you didn't follow the Pokedex. I followed it religiously and I ended up being way over leveled when I left the, the world area. I think maybe I did this too, because I think I was also way over-leveled when I left the wild area. But I don't think I I don't think I caught loads of Pokemon. I think I just fought some of the badass Pokemon that you can't catch. And instead of running away, I stubbornly just like beat them to a pulp and then got crazy amounts of XP. So you can take on the the overleveled Pokemon. Yeah, I, I remember like running into some like level 20 something level 30 something even maybe pokemon and being unable to catch it because i don't have the right badges but because i happened to have a good type matchup against it i was able to beat it and then just got loads of xp as a result though later on a similar thing happened and you know again i fought some pokemon that was 10 or 20 levels above me and it probably is like a function of like the xp curve or something how relatively powerful things get because that pokemon just like one shot everything in my party and i was like run away <laughs> like i literally had like one thing left you know before someone managed to finally run away and i was like call a taxi get us out of here <laughs> i can't see the reason for just randomly picking a fight with a a strong looking wild pokemon but you know why would i be surprised that you would do it yeah, I think I wanted to, like, I saw an Onyx, I think, and I wanted to catch it, and then I was disappointed because it was over-leveled, but then I just beat it up, and then it, then it happened again with a, a Vespiqueen or something, but yeah, then I, I got, you know, completely destroyed by uh, Vanillux, I think, later on, so. Anyway, I mentioned calling a taxi, that's another thing that really surprised me in this game because like basically right at the very start they just say oh you can call a flying taxi and you can just like it basically just unlocks fast travel like right from the very start of the game i mean again i'm not sure exactly when they changed this but i was expecting fast travel to be unlocked with fly which used to be what they called an HM, a hidden machine. And, you know, it used to be that I would always keep a flying Pokemon in my party in order to teach it fly, purely for the fast travel. But, yeah, number one, you don't need to do that. And number two, 
fast travel is literally unlocked right from the start of the game. It used to be something you got like literally in the last quarter. So that was a big surprise to me when that happened. Why did it make sense? Yeah, and then there's similar things for the other, I was going to say HMs anyway. So, you know, you get given the bike really early on and then eventually the bike can ride around on the water too, which takes the place of surf. And you like the bike? I guess I like the bike because it lets you move faster. It's kind of... I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what else to say about the bike. Do you use nicknames? Uh, no, actually. Do you? No, I don't. Yeah, none of my Pokemon have nicknames. <laughs> I did. I did think about giving some of them nicknames, but in the end I just didn't do it. Naming stuff is hard. I feel you, like you have a lot of creativity and time for naming things. I, I think in Pokemon, I have just never given my Pokemon nicknames. And so... I, I think, again, I think it used to be because... In the early games, you were stuck with whatever name you picked. And so every time I caught a Pokemon, it was like, oh, do I try and come up with a creative nickname? It was like just getting naming fatigue. And so in the end, it was just like, I'm just going to give none of you nicknames. You know, none of you of my favorites. You're all disposable. I mean, they're not, but you know what I mean. I don't know who's my favorite yet. So you're, you don't have an affinity to your starter Pokemon? Yeah, that's that's an obvious one to give a nickname. But then if that's the only one with a nickname and none of the others do, then it seems kind of wrong as well. Like there's there are definitely Pokemon now who I feel like who should have a nickname because I've basically used them for most of the game. But yeah, so far none of them have nicknames. Fine. I mean, maybe I'll catch Zacian and rename him Sword Boy. <laughs> but <laughs> And I probably I probably should rename my score bunny, which is now a Cinderace, but yeah, we'll we'll see. That's for next time. Okay. Shall we move on to non-quality of life innovations? Go ahead. Raids. Multiplayer raids. I tried one or two, but I haven't really done many at all. In fact, I haven't done any multiplayer ones. I just did a few one-star ones with NPC companions. Same. I just did it with the AI companions. Yeah, so I actually don't really know how these kind of scale up as you get higher level or higher difficulty. Because I think only one of you can catch the Pokemon. And how does that work when you're actually playing with other human players? You know, I, I don't know. So I can't really say much about it. Should we try this for the next one? Yeah, it's on my to-do list. Okay. And then Pokemon Jobs. Oh, Pokemon jobs. So if you go to the Pokemon shop, there are a list of jobs which you can send your in-box Pokemon to go off and do. And they gain XP. That's the whole point. But actually, there is no point to it, I don't feel. It's so <laughs> laborious. Yeah, I started out by 
using my boxed Pokemon to do all the jobs. And then eventually I was just like, you know what? I can't be bothered. Who cares? I just, I'm not doing any Poke jobs now. If they made the interface, oh, I don't know. If the, even if they made the interface quicker, I may have held on a bit longer. I think it's because you need specific Pokemon, like the, you need like dark Pokemon or you need fire Pokemon or you need flying Pokemon, you know, you need specific Pokemon or actually, I don't know if you even really do need this, but it implies that you do need specific kinds of Pokemon to have the best chance at doing well at the job. And so I'm always like hunting and pecking through all of my Pokemon boxes to find the appropriate Pokemon. And I know you might say, oh, well, you should sort your Pokemon better, but you know, I don't think that would help. I think I think even if I did sort my Pokemon better, it would just become chaos again as soon as the job finishes because it just puts them into whatever the next empty slot is. You know, when, when you catch a Pokemon out in the wild, it just puts them into the first available slot. And when your Pokemon come back from a Poker job, I think it just puts them all back into the first available slots. So even if you did beautifully organize your Pokemon by type or by power or by something, they'd all get mixed up anyway if you started sending them on jobs. There needs to be better sorting on the boxes. Yeah, my, mine are just completely random now. Are you going to talk about freaking out over items? Oh, there are so many items, so many tabs. There are so many that I don't actually use anything. I, I don't understand why you find this difficult. Because, you know, you're lucky that... You kids, you're so lucky. You don't realize how lucky you are. Like, they used to not be tabs at all. These just have, like, one really long list of items. <laughs> like, they used to just be this massive list. And, like, the fact that you have a bag of different pockets to sort the items in is itself an innovation. Like, the first time I played a more recent Pokemon game, and I was like, there's a section just for my Pokeballs and a section just for the healing items. This is amazing. It used to be, oh, I have to scroll down this list of hundreds of items to find the one I want to use. Okay. So, <laughs> you know, I've got the opposite opinion of it. I mean, yeah, there are a load of items, but how many do you actually even need to use? Like the Pokeballs have a separate UI element just for picking Pokeballs now. So you don't have to go into the item screen at all for those. There's the healing items of which you can just auto sort the list to put the potions at the top, which is fine. And I don't know, I never use any of the other battle items and I never really use the berries either. I mean, for me, the berries just go into curry. Well, there you go. So the berries you don't decipher, and then the TMs. Do you do? You, do you do anything with the TMs? Oh yeah, I have. I haven't used any TMs oh, or thanks. TRs. So that's three tabs. Is it three tabs? I don't know how many tab how they're consolidated. I think that's two or three tabs. You 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 you're just ignoring, right? Yep. I think my berries tab is empty because I just keep making curry. <laughs> Yeah, I think there's a berries tab and then there's like a curry items tab and there's like a key items tab and a valuable items tab. I don't know. There's all sorts of stuff in there. And so valuable items is the gems. Is that right? And stuff. Yeah. Like I think some of them you can sell just for money. Some of them are items your Pokemon can hold that aren't berries that boost certain things like boost their fire damage attacks or boost their dark damage attacks or something. So you... You're just happy to ignore the tabs, whereas I have proper FOMO about it. That's the difference. Yeah, I don't understand. 
I don't understand why you're so... You know what, though? I mean, this is like my email where I've just got like 33,000 unread emails. And I'm like, ah, whatever. I guess it's just one of those things, whether it bothers you or not. It doesn't bother me. Fine. Camping. Yeah. So, I think I said earlier, something that's missing from this game that I'm kind of happy is missing is the petting of your Pokemon. So in Sun and Moon, you could play with your individual Pokemon and you could kind of like pet them and then they would be happy. But it just felt like such a chore to be constantly playing with your Pokemon. And in this one, the way you make your Pokemon happy is by going camping with them, playing with them while you're camping or making them curry. And it just seems way easier, like, without having to put in any particular effort, like, without having to, like, do any frustrating grinding. It was kind of fun just playing with the Pokemon in the Pokemon camp, because you can see all the Pokemon in your party running around, and you can, like, wave a little feather on a stick and get them to hit it, or you can throw a ball at them and they'll play fetch with you. And, you know, it makes them happier. And they also play with each other. Like, I've seen... Some of my Pokemon just like have a race against each other. Have you seen that? No, no. It's quite cool. Like two, you know, two of the Pokemon will square off against each other, and then they'll actually like get down on the floor, and then you know, boom, like a gun will go off or something, and they'll sprint off and have a race. And sometimes it's really hilarious Pokemon, like you know, Cinderace, and then like some gigantic fat Snorlax or something, and obviously <laughs> Cinderace wins, and like the other one is just like very slowly crawling along but they play with each other too so they just repackaged it it's still a chore really i just i I just thought uh, okay i don't know what to say i mean i just i found it much more fun i i didn't have to specially do a lot of camping i thought the camping was actually very handy because rather than having to fast travel back to a Pokemon Center and heal up your Pokemon, I mean, not so much near the start of the game because the start of the game was really pretty easy and Centers were just really common. But certainly later on, there were times when I didn't want to have to go back and it was really handy to be able to throw up a tent and just play with the Pokemon a bit, cook some curry, and then heal everyone up and carry on. And, yeah, you know, I didn't go camping excessively, and my Pokemon all became best friends with me, with no special grinding required. Okay, so you threw up your camp only when you needed a full heal? Pretty much. That seems sensible. That seems sensible. When I hit that scenario in my second, in the second half of my playthrough, I'll agree with you. And I basically just used up all my berries in the curry minigame. I think I was being, I was being really precious to begin with and trying to like save one of each berry and stuff. But in the end, I just threw them all in the pot because whatever. I actually have no idea what any of the berries really do. Because I, I think each of the berries has a special effect in battle. So you can make your Pokemon hold 
a berry and they will automatically consume the berry if they need it, which can heal them or cure a status effect. But yeah, I literally just use them for cooking. So it's random, right? You're just throwing in berries. I, I'm just I'm just throwing in berries for quantity. I think I think I read something that said, you know, you want to use six or seven berries if possible in order to make a good curry. Although, to be honest, I think any curry you make fully heals your Pokemon. So it doesn't matter that much, really. I just I just wanted to try and make a good curry. Even a one berry curry? Yeah, I think so. I mean, you've got to put in a special ingredient. The, you know, the the picture you get of the curry at the end, I think that differs based on the class of your curry. So I definitely got some bad curries at the beginning where I put one berry in. And then I burned the curry and it all went a bit wrong. And I got like some <laughs> tiny plate of curry that just looked pretty disappointing. And then like later on, I got better at it. And I was just throwing in all my berries, some of which were probably quite rare. But then I got like crazy giant like mountains of curry with like, you know, Eevee and Pikachu figurines made out of scrambled eggs sitting on top. Some concentrated berry there going on. Did you did you get any of your Pokemon 2 best friend status? No. Okay. Then let's talk about that next time as well. Okay. Cuz I was surprised. Like, you know, that that was a mechanic that didn't exist in the other games I played. Or if it did, I never got Pokemon to the best friend state. And yeah, I was surprised when it happened in this one. The consequence or the ease of uh well well both really because number one i didn't realize it was a thing and then you know my random curry making obviously made them besties and then yeah it actually had significant impact on the actual battling too which surprised me okay so one last thing i found the fights too lengthy so i turned off the fight animations this seems crazy to me. I feel if you're hardcore, you would do this. Yeah, yeah, like a hardcore speedrunner, which you're not. But the fight, the fights are too long. The animations don't give much value. This is so funny. So, so basically, for you, the battle moves are just a name, and then the bar moves down. Yeah. What? What's the point? Why are but you the, playing yeah. this game? The animations repeat themselves. Your Pokemon only has four moves. You're repeating most of your moves every battle. I'm just shocked. You know, you know my point. You agree with my point. I mean, I kind of get where you're coming from, and I think if I played a game a lot then maybe I might switch off the animations, but I was still enjoying the animations. Like I liked, you know, using a move and seeing the big wind up and being like, yeah, super effective, you know. <laughs> Actually, this will be funnier if we play a Final Fantasy game because the Final Fantasy games definitely went too far with animations that you couldn't skip for some of the summons. And, you know, you're literally like going, I really want to use the spell, but it's a three minute unskippable cutscene where like... <laughs> you know, a dozen knights go and beat up this thing. And I can't be bothered with that, so I'll use this other less effective spell instead. But but this game is totally not like that. Like, the moves are pretty fast. Because the animations are pretty basic as well. 
Uh, I guess so. I just, I'm sorry, I'm just still surprised. It's like, where's the joy of like learning a new move and seeing what it looks like? The joy is in the Instead, numbers. Instead, it's all about... It's all about the numbers. The bigger number. <laughs> I, feel, I feel like we should make Pokemon Excel. We just give you a spreadsheet. Yeah, just... You, you, yeah. What, what, like, what's the point? You could just colour the cells. There are... Enough colors to cover 400 Pokemon. That's all you need. Just need to color the cells. Give it a name. You don't even need to draw the bloody Pokemon. What's that? A1 is evolving. (laughs) A1 became magenta. (laughs) Okay, whatever. Should we wrap up with progress then? Yeah, let's talk about where we've got to. So I've completed Gym 3, which was quite tricky, surprisingly. Wh- which one is Gym 3? The fire dude, fire badge. Oh. Uh, yeah, you picked Grookey, didn't you? Yeah. Okay. Because you wouldn't let me pick Score Bunny. <laughs> I'm sorry. You could. <laughs> I, I was going to say you could pick Score Bunny, but yeah, yeah, you totally couldn't pick Score Bunny. I want to be Score Bunny. <laughs> We haven't even talked about that. It's crazy. We haven't even talked about our starters. Next time, next time. I I, I found the first five gyms really easy and just one-shot everything. But I didn't do it all with Score Bunny. The first gym was Score Bunny. And then for the subsequent gyms, I just made sure to catch a Pokemon with the right type advantage and get it strong enough. For each one so i think for the second gym which is water i leveled up a boltoned and then for the third one which is fire i leveled up a dupider whatever so you thought about it i just went in with what i liked and what i had at the time <laughs> so so you picked your pokemon based on what you think looks cool, but you turned off the move animation. <laughs> yes. Uh, I'm sorry, I find this so strange. Actually, I also picked what I liked. Like, uh, This is a dangerous tangent to go down, so I don't think we should go this is too far into it. But... Totally what we're doing second episode. Okay, okay. Yeah, because I want to talk about Yampa. <laughs> like, what? <laughs> it's got a heart on its but <laughs> Yamper is like, but Bolton, Bolton is cool. Like Yamper's like a corgi, but Bolton's like an electric border collie. Way cooler. Anyway, anyway, sorry. So I finished the game. So I have finished the main story and just stopped there so far. My playtime is 
currently 33 hours and I caught 172 Pokemon. But I think there's quite a lot of post-game stuff. So, you know, as I said at the beginning, I still haven't caught Zacian. I still haven't done the Battle Tower. I haven't done any multiplayer raids or explored the wild area a lot. Haven't done any Pokemon breeding. Haven't caught Surfetched. So there's a lot more for me to do. Can we quickly talk about your playthrough? Did you just try to mainline the game? Did you try to do side, I say side quests, inverted commas? I, I didn't mainline the game. I, particularly at the start, I was trying to catch everything. But, you know, I was not being fundamentalist about it this time. When I, when I got a bit bored, I just moved on. So I, I played through the main story at a pace that, you know, I enjoyed. And, you know, I didn't grind. I didn't grind to catch Pokemon and I didn't grind to level up either. I just, I just played it at a casual, comfortable pace. And it turned out that was fine. And were you overleveled, about level, at level, sorry, for the final gym? I was overleveled. Well, so in the early game, I was quite overleveled, and then that level advantage kind of diminished towards the end. So I think by the end of the game, I was at level. So I, you know, I think the final enemies are around like level sixty-ish, and I think I was like level sixty-one or sixty-two. Is that right? That sounds about right. I don't know. I I don't remember being like massively overleveled by the end. It was actually pretty different in a lot of ways to the old games too, like the gym challenges. I don't know when I don't know when the gyms became these weird mini game fests instead of being like, you know, the gyms used to be there's a gym leader at the end and you have to fight through all the other trainers in the gym to get up to that gym leader. And sometimes there are some like light puzzle elements in there, but the fundamentals are get to the gym leader. Whereas this time each of the gyms was really quite different and some of them were like literally just arcade mini games so one last thing okay one last thing i actually did want to talk about like i made a special note to talk about it i think it's one of the few things in the game that is permanent so you can't change this after you pick it when you start the gym challenge you get given a gym uniform and you need to choose your number to put on the back of your uniform. And you get one shot to pick your number and you can never change it after that. So what did you pick and why? I picked seven. Just the single digit seven? A single digit seven. Not even 007. Oh, that's, a, that's cool. 007 that is not single digit seven no i'm kidding single digit seven's all right too why seven like lucky number seven lucky number seven yeah oh because all of the other gym leaders and trainers and stuff all have three digit numbers so yeah i felt like i should pick a three digit number i actually really agonized over what this number should be 
like I thought about this for way too long because I was like, oh, can I change this later on, like the nickname? And then I googled it and I was like, no, I have to, I have one shot to pick this. And then after that, I was like, literally sat there at this numbering screen for like half an hour, thinking about what should I put on my shirt. It's crazy. What did you pick? I mean, I thought about all sorts of things. Like I thought about putting like zero because it's like better than one. I think I think Leon maybe is just number one. I don't know because he's got a cape on. So he's like, he would be the exception to the three digit thing. But yeah, zero, triple zero, eight, five, two, like the Hong Kong country code. But then I thought, oh, I'm not really Hong Kong or like two, five, six for like programming or like four, eight, six, you know, like the old chips. I, I had like all these crazy things for like, <laughs> wow. what should I pick? Wow, Mike. Yeah, I know. I'm going mad, right? In the end, <laughs> I actually picked two, three, one. Because it's the number on my luggage. Like, it's, it's, it's the combination for my luggage. So, if you ever happen to bump into me in an airport, now you can open my luggage. Yes. Or when they build the, the, mic, the Sir Mike escape room, make sure you remember 231. Yeah, that's right. I mean, the reason 231 is my luggage code is actually because it's kind of like the family number. So, you know... It accesses all of your family's luggage. <laughs> it probably does, actually. Like, when my family, <laughs> you know, my family came to the UK and they opened up a shop and the shop was number 231 on this street. And so that's the real reason. That's a good reason. So I'm challenger number 231. And I'm the champion now. Psych. Did you want to talk about the, the NPC numbers? Actually... Good point. The NPC numbers are actually all, I think, puns in Japanese. Like, I think if you say the numbers in Japanese, they sound like another Japanese word. This is completely lost on me. It was just something I discovered while trying to find out if I could change the number and discovering, no, you get one shot. But I also came across this article that explains the meaning of each of the gym leaders and other challenger trainers trainer numbers i think it's cute it's really cute i'm looking at them seeing if i can decipher any of them but no i can't there's no there's not sufficient overlap between cantonese and japanese japanese (laughs) so that's it yeah that's it should we talk about what we'll cover in the next one or should we just leave it as a surprise well for next time I already mentioned a bit earlier some of the post-game stuff that I would like to try and do. There's also Pokemon Home that's come out. You know, maybe we should try and play with that a bit too. The lead cards. Oh, <laughs> we should talk about the lead cards. I really like my lead card. I think it's a, I think it's a work of art. I, and we've not even talked about the boutiques. Oh, the bu- you know what? I, I, I actually really intended to, to buy new fashion items and make a whole series of lead cards. But then in the end, I like my, I like my current lead card so much that I've just kept it. <laughs> and we've, we've spent a good hour at least talking about Pokemon, but we've not talked about Pokemon at all. Any Pokemon, really. Yeah. Okay. So for next time, you may or may not have finished the game. But we'll talk about the whole of the game and the post-game. And let's talk about some of the Pokemon too. Please.
Yeah, we should we should do the Pokemon tier list. We can... <laughs> I can judge your Pokemon, and you'll definitely judge mine. You'll definitely judge mine. Yeah, I, I want to see your final party. Yeah, same. We were Lost Levels Club. We still are Lost Levels Club. Please rate and subscribe to us on iTunes. Please, please, please. You can find us on email. Mike.and.ting at lostlevels.club. On Twitter. At Lost Levels Club. On Twitch. As Lost Levels Club. Anywhere else? Reddit. Slash r slash Lost Levels Club. So, Michael, what are you grateful for? I am grateful that this recording is over. <laughs> this recording has been the most disastrous, painful recording we have ever done, I think. Like, the internet stopped working. You've got this weird scaffolding banging against the side of your building. I've had, like, a motorcycle race outside and then have started burping constantly. Like, I think... Short of the power cutting out, everything that can go wrong has gone wrong with this recording. At least neither of us has coronavirus. That was a terrible what I'm grateful for, by the way. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. What are you grateful for? Give me some inspiration. Your Tarkov stories. Oh, yeah, we can talk about that next time. I spent... <laughs> I spent eight hours today playing Escape from Tarkov. Like, the reason, part of the reason this recording was so shambolic is because I didn't do any prep of the notes because I literally spent eight hours escaping from Tarkov. What is wrong with me? It's great fun. So Michael says bye. Bye bye. <laughs>